Hey, Pete the Planner here. Um, listen, I've been working on something for 15 years, and I'm so excited to introduce it to you. It is called Hey Money, and the whole point of it is this. You should not have to pay thousands of dollars a year to talk to a financial expert about your financial life and to get answers to the questions that you so badly need. And that is why we created Hey Money for about 20 bucks a month. We can help you with all aspects of your financial life, short of investment decisions. That's right. I'm just telling you how it is. Don't call us and say, hey, should I invest in this or that? That's not what we do. And let's be honest, those aren't the questions that keep you up at night. We can help you figure out how to get out of debt, to pay for college, how to uh, put together a budget, how to do all sorts of things. If you like this show, which of course you do, that's why you're listening, then get Hey Money. And I've got a special offer code, 10% off radio. Use the offer code radio for 10% off for podcasts and radio listeners only. Go to callheymoney.com. That's callheymoney.com, offer code radio. Good day. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And we answer your question. Happy June, y'all. Oh, wait, this is still May. You're going to have a happy June, y'all. I'm Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, host of the show. My co-host is a gentleman by the name of Damian Dunn. We have no relation. We have the same last name. We look similar-ish. But we're not related, and he says hello now. Hello now. Dame, I want to uh, give a special shout-out to one of our new radio affiliates, WTRC-FM in uh, Michiana's News Channel. So we're really glad to be able to broadcast to the good people of Michiana, which most people know is a combination of Michigan and Louisiana. So congrats to uh, them for getting to hear us. WTRC-FM 953, Michiana's News Channel. Of course, I'm kidding. It's Michigan and Indiana. Dame, well, I went to school in Kentuckyana. Did you know that? Yes, you did. I hadn't, hadn't uh, put that together, but you were right there, weren't you? I was in Southern Indiana, but the weird thing is, no one in Southern Indiana calls that area Michigan or, or Kentuckyana, but people in Northern Kentucky in the Louisville area call that area uh, Kentuckyana. It's really strange. I don't know what it means. That's Odd that uh, one one side of the river would and the other would not. Dear Pete, I'm trying to get to our questions for the week here. Oh, I just went right past it. Oh, where did it go, Dave? Oh, good afternoon. I listened to today's NPR broadcast with Mr. Dunn and was quite impressed with his commentary for those facing financial difficulties during the pandemic. Dave, I did not clear with my radio station that I would be doing an interview with NPR. So I'm hoping that as they are listening back to this, that I do not get in trouble. Order counts realizing Mr. Dunn does not offer financial services, I would like his suggestions regarding wealth management. Perhaps Hey Money would help. Hey Money, of course, is uh, our service name where people can have us help them solve their financial problems by going to callheymoney.com. My wife and I have been account holders with a bank for over 30 years. Dame, as you mentioned in the pre-production meeting, this gentleman drops a lot of proper nouns on this thing. So it's going to be a lot of verbal gymnastics to make sure that I do not out anyone on the air. Good luck. Uh, we have talked recently with their wealth management team, but have not committed to the minimum investment of $500,000 to open this type of account. 
although I have many questions before we decide if this is a sensible approach. I'll list the most pressing. Is this amount uh, typical to open a wealth management account? That is question number one. What should I expect from the team of investors? Well, since it's a bank-based investment firm, damn, you know they can account on at least some suckers. You like the double use of suckers there. I do. There's the thing you put in your mouth and then... uh, Are there other options that would better serve my wife and I for a lesser amount of money? If you could offer some guidelines and food for thought before we meet with this bank, again, that would be greatly appreciated. My wife's name is this name, and and we are both retired. She is from, she was at a hospital, worked there, and this guy was in the Air Force. Uh, Prior to his parents passing away, our our net worth was $1.5 million, which we then grew on our own with investments and savings. Following my mother's passing, we inherited another $3 million. We have no debt other than our home which we just refinanced on a 15-year loan at 2.75% interest. This loan will be paid off in the next five years. Thank you very much. We hope to hear from you respectfully. This person who is retired U.S. Air Force, Dame, you can just tell based on how this guy talks, the the amount of respect that is just built into who he is, that he is in the military. Yeah, I would say that he probably runs a very tight ship at home, but that might be insulting to an Air Force person. I was just thinking that, and I like that was really good what you said. All right, Dame, let's talk about this decision, which I encourage people listening both live on Facebook right now and live on the radio and podcast. Don't get distracted by 500,000. Don't get distracted that their net worth's over 3 million. Like you're, you're going to miss the point if you do. However, Dame, investment minimums kind of drive me crazy. I get them. A lot of my friends are in the investment business and they have investment minimums. And they always get mad when I publicly talk about how much they annoy me. Do they annoy you too, or are you more pragmatic about it? Um, I will not uh, get angry at a financial advisor for running the business in the way they feel like they need to run it to um, achieve the the lifestyle they want or whatever it is. However, they can be terribly distracting and somewhat discrediting to the um, the industry as a whole. Uh, if somebody says, well, you have to have at least a million dollars to work with so-and-so, that just makes it feel like that this type of uh, assistance and advice and help is out of reach for a number of people uh, that, that we're surrounded by. So um, minimums, yeah, I mean, they're all right. I, I get it. I understand why some people do that. However, uh, I wish uh, I wish they were a little less firm on, on some of those uh, overall. So here's the idea behind minimums is that a, a financial advisor, a financial advising group can only handle so many clients theoretically, mm-hmm. right? They only have so much time or their system only supports handling, I'm going to make a number up, 200 households. And if the average net worth of those households is $50,000 and these firms are charging based on a person's investable assets, then that firm's not going to like make very much money, Right. Totally. You need to make sure that you are using your time and resources as efficiently as possible. And if you are getting to that cap for your your client list, well, then it makes sense to only bring on more clients who are going to make that worth your while, which feels really icky now that I just said that out loud. Can I say something that's going to get us in further trouble? Sure. <laughs> when there's bank-based minimums, 
I don't get it. I mean, no offense to bank-based financial advisors because there's a lot of really good ones. But the primary reason that you would work through a bank is to serve the masses, not to have a half million dollar investment minimum when the masses happen to come to you. That that makes no sense to me. Does that make sense to you? I would assume that this minimum is for a certain tier of service would be my guess and not just for anybody who wants to come open an IRA and maybe get some some assistance on it. I could be wrong. I haven't looked at uh, this bank to know what their their offering is, but um, it does feel a little odd that they would write themselves into the high net worth space essentially or try to uh, for only part of their customers. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And they didn't even say, uh, this gentleman uh, didn't even say what their fees were, which was part of mm-hmm. his concern. He was trying to measure you know, this exclusivity, depositing that much money with them for their fees. I don't know. You know, I, Another tough thing about this marketplace when it comes to financial advice and paying for it and minimums and all this and that is do you just fall prey to convenience or a company's marketing? Like, how do you know who's good? You know, because you see like a big wirehouse commercial during a golf tournament and they're like, oh, our advisors are the best in the business. No, they're not. No, they're not. I mean, some of your advisors are good. Some of them suck. But you, that's, what, that's always what drives me crazy. So it really truly is about connecting with the advisor and not necessarily the shop. And even if you do find a good advisor at a place like this, they may be handcuffed on what they can do for you and what they can offer you as well. So just because you find a good fit um, with a personality or with a philosophy, it doesn't mean that they can do the absolute best job for you because they may not have all the tools at their disposal to be able to do it. You know, it's really interesting you bring that up. That is an informed opinion, but it is also my former reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a financial advisor at one point in time, and I hung it up for a number of reasons, sold my practice. But one of them was I happened to be with an organization that did not allow me certain tools to use with my clients. And so my hands were tied. It made me seem inadequate, which I don't need help with that. Dame, coming up after the break, uh, we're going to have personal loans. We have a question about personal loans. And if you have a question here, if you're watching on Facebook Live, just leave it there. We'll be sure to answer it. So you're... uh, Listening to Pete the Planner Show, I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Uh, again, welcome to one of our new affiliates, WTRCFM 953, Michiana's news channel. Good to be uh, part of your family and your weekend. We have a bunch of other affiliates too. Damon, it occurred to me during the break that sometimes we don't say them. Uh, 93 WIBC FM in Indianapolis, which is our home station. And then there's a bunch of others that we need to <clears throat> get on top of. Dame, the next question here on the Pete the Planner Show is from a person named... Uh, I don't, they didn't leave their name. Uh, personal loan question. Hi, Pete. I have massive credit card debt and a 743 credit score. You know, Dame, I probably wouldn't lead with that on a Tinder profile, would you? No. Can you imagine... Can you imagine that's what you lead with? Like you're on a first date. Here, you and I are on a first date, okay? Drink order comes. This is like social distancing's over. Or the server comes over. Um, can I get your order, sir? So go ahead and order your drink. Uh, I'll have the strongest thing you've got behind the bar. 
And see, I take that as a sign as the person on your date with that you're not interested in it. I'll have an old fashioned bullet ride, please. And then Dame, I say to you, I lead, uh, I have massive credit card debt and a 743 credit score. Oh, see, and, but does this not prove, by the way, uh, scene, does this not prove how dumb credit scores are? That was my first thought when I saw this question. Nothing could illustrate our call to arms on this better than this question. It's the truth. Here are the details. My in-laws have offered an interest-free personal loan. $73,000 in debt across nine accounts. A $40,000 interest-free loan with a two-year grace period. Oh my gosh, I'm going to need a, like a protractor here. Okay, hold on. Are you hunkered in? Are you listening? Still. I, I wasn't. I was talking. I wasn't even listening to myself. Okay. Before we even get into the details, my in-laws have offered an interest-free personal loan. Should we wait to explore that catastrophe or not? It will become part of the conversation at some point. Uh, but I think as you continue to let this unfold, we will we'll have multiple things to discuss in the remaining however many minutes we have. I, I, I could spend nine minutes on not owning your in-laws anything. I, I, ooh, anyway. $73,000 in debt across nine accounts. They would offer a $40,000 interest-free loan with two-year grace period. So that means they don't have to begin the payments for two years? Yeah. That's my understanding. What is the best way to attack the remaining $33,000? We've been paying $2,500 to $3,000 a month toward debt for three plus years, but can't any longer due to a childcare expense that will be $2,900 a month how many kids do they have, Dame? Are they the Duggars? They have like 18 kids? I think it's just one really expensive kid. It's possible for us to pay a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month toward the remaining balance. By the way, I met with two bankruptcy attorneys. We fail the means test and are ineligible. I talked with two debt management firms. One said, let's do it at seven percent. And the other said, keep paying what you are, and you'll be debt free in three and a half years. You don't need us. The credit card companies say, I'm not a customer with hardship because I have a perfect payment history. We can't keep paying what we currently are paying. The loan is amazing that my in-laws are offering. It'll save us nearly $25,000 in fees in five years. We have some availability to shell game the remaining balance to 0% APR cards. So this person is simply asking for our opinion, Dave. Well, good news. We give opinions. We do give opinions. Um, go ahead. Let's talk, let's go ahead and talk about the in-law loan at, at this point. Uh, you and I are not huge fans of borrowing money from people we know and love, uh, ostensibly know and love and respect uh, in, in this case, um, because it creates a multitude of issues, if, even if everything seems to be going right. Is it rude to say you'd be sleeping with the daughter of your creditors? No. <laughs> that seems a little unsavory, but it's factually true. Totally. Um, it, or not it's an issue. I, I, it's hard for me to say this is bad though, because financially it allows them to pull this off in a very reasonable time period if they can stick to the rest of the plan. And maybe they have a fantastic relationship. I don't know. Maybe if you want to maintain that relationship, yes. you think really hard about not doing this and figuring something out because this can throw things sideways for years if not decades if something goes wrong and they 
Your in-laws will feel like they have carte blanche to second guess every financial decision you make during this time period. Maybe not because they want to, but just because that's the nature of people when they loan big chunks of money to you other people. You don't need me. This is the perfect answer. And by the way, this is just one part of the answer because then there's the, fin- the, the there's the there's the other side of this, which is the money. Like there's the relationship, which you answered it perfectly. It's a nightmare. Then there's there's the is it a good idea financially? Because I got to do something. If, financially, yeah, it works. I, I ran some numbers. It, it works, which is makes this doubly hard. I, because if if it didn't work, that it becomes super easy, and you just say. Well, it's not a great idea and the numbers don't work out. It does. It does work, Pete. You know what keeps kicking me in the area about this thing, though, is where is the debt from? Totally. Because doesn't that matter? Because if they haven't kicked that habit or, you know, avoided that former sensibility, then they're going to find themselves right back in the same problem. We see that all the time when people get creative with their debt pay down solutions, but they never fix the, the real problem. And then they've sort of played all their cards and they're out of cards and the debt's back and uh, I get sad. The behavior has to be addressed. Now it's very possible that they've accumulated the 70 some thousand dollars of debt. Um, through a number of ways that they were not in control of. And this was the, what they saw the reasonable option to make sure that they were taking care of the responsibilities that that they had out there. However, however, yeah, that's a lot of money. And I would guess since it's spread over nine accounts, there's a good chance that some of it was, um, purchases of convenience or things that they, they just wanted to do. Okay, so unless Oz cuts down these questions, because I, you know, our coworker Oz puts these in, and I don't know if she does or not, and makes them more succinct. But there's some pretty major things that one. I have two guesses, and I'm pretty sure I'm right about both of them. I think they make a lot of money mm-hmm. relative to median average, median average American whatever household income. The second thing is they didn't say major medical bill. They didn't say. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't say how they got the debt because they didn't necessarily want to share that story. Yeah, there was no no accompanying story. And usually if it's something beyond somebody's control, we find out about it or they volunteer it, I should say. Nine different accounts, debt, nine different accounts. All right, Dame. So with the time we have left in this segment, do they do it? Do if this person called Hey Money <laughs> and said, here's what I've got. And Dame, you are their person. You are their expert. What do you tell them? Man, we look at all sorts of other ways to accomplish this before you entertain the idea of taking money from your in-laws. There's, even if it's not maybe as financially advantageous for you, if we can figure out a way to do it, we do it. Because I don't want that potential rift in a relationship just sitting there waiting to be served on a silver platter to blow up all sorts of personal issues. You know, I think it makes it easier to make this deal if the in-laws live in a different place than the people. And because of something that you said that I think is the ultimate point in this, every purchase you make will be scrutinized. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you you pull up in a car. Well, they shouldn't be buying a new car anyway. But you know, oh, you got a new shirt. Oh, I like your shirt. Hey, you owe me forty thousand bucks. It's like, oh, hey, we went to dinner tonight at Tom's Diner. Is that a? Yeah. Da, 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 yeah. Da. And and then and then there's problems. All right, Dave. Here's what we're gonna do. You and I are gonna take a breath. We're gonna breathe a little bit, and then we're gonna come back with another segment right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner Show, answering your money questions. If you want a question answered, all you have to do, you have two options. You can hire a skywriter or a a plane to pull a message sign around like I'm a political candidate. Or you can just simply email askpete at petetheplanner.com and I may get your email that sounds like this. Dear Pete, both of my children have 529 accounts and I've been working in higher ed for 20 years. My girls are 12. And seven. Those are weird names for a kid, Dame, don't you think? Well, 11's in uh, Stranger Things, so I guess maybe that's where she got it from. With the decline in enrollment, institutions are experiencing with traditional enrollment, and with the drop of what's expected to hit in 2025, what do you think of these 529 accounts that are out there? Should I continue to deposit money into them or open an IRA account instead? Does it matter? Also, as you know, tuition remission... It's available to employees if you're in higher education, but who knows if it will still be there given the dismal outlook that's ahead. I don't know what the future holds, but I was obviously planning to take advantage of the remission benefit and supplement with a 529, but now I don't know what to think. What are your thoughts? Dave, man, this is an incredibly savvy question that really hits at the heart of several, several major gross issues. I get questions about 529s fairly regularly. Recently, though, it seems like I've, they've been coming a little bit more consistently. And some people have even started referring to the enrollment cliff that, that's coming. I don't know if they are anticipating that uh, tuition will skyrocket because of the smaller demand for their services. Or if they're thinking that tuition will drop because they're trying to entice people to come to their co- their campuses, I'm not sure which direction they think tuition is going to go. However, I am relatively sure that tuition will still be required to attend most of these universities. In that case, I think 529s are still a good idea, especially if your state offers an income tax, state income tax uh, credit or uh, otherwise to you make sure that you are saving appropriately. Yeah, I think that's a major point. And I guess this is also a good time to disclose my spokesmanship of the Indiana College Choice 529 Savings Plan. Yeah, I do the commercials for that. So I feel like it's important I mention that because I don't want you to think what I'm about to say next impacts that. Mrs. Planner and I use a 529 because we get a $1,000 tax credit. And we want to um, cordon off that amount of money for our children, as opposed to if we just put it into a Roth IRA for ourselves, then it's the sort of, well, it really is our money. We're just making this withdrawal for higher ed for you, which is allowed, but it gets sort of wishy-washy. So I like the idea that there is tens of thousands of dollars set aside for each child as they get older. And, and, you know, I, I like that idea personally. I do think there's a lot of validity to not only the enrollment cliff, 
concern, but then the tuition remission, which is, I think, the bigger issue mm-hmm. here. Um, but the enrollment cliff, like you said, Dame, that doesn't mean tuition goes away. It means arguably tuition is going to go up. I mean, if it's if 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 tuition is going to be impacted at all by the the cliff, it's going to go up. The remission, though. The remission has Mrs. Planner and I from time to time saying, hey, why don't you go get a job at a local university? <laughs> because the ability to then, some people call it a tuition exchange program. It just means that you have the ability to send your kids to school if you work at a higher ed um, place mm-hmm. at a significant discount, if not free. It's an amazing benefit. I know a few families who have been able to take advantage of that. And uh, it was a lifesaver for them they and their kids. Uh, they just didn't have to take out any kind of uh, assistance. They were able to pay for everything that they needed to pay for, and the kids get to walk away, and the parents get to walk away from their kids' education debt-free, and that's, that is so important right now. So I guess to answer the question, should they pull back on the 529, I, it, we would have to know what's in the 529. To, to truly answer this question. I mean, if they've got five grand in each of them right now, then keep putting money in them. What's it matter? If they've got 60 grand in each of them, that seems a hair aggressive, especially with the tuition remission and mm-hmm. the ability to just supplement with Roth. I don't think tuition remission is probably going to go away for employees of, of institutions anytime you soon. I, I don't. I They... Employees typically get a load of attractive benefits at, at these kinds of, of institutions. And but doesn't I, doesn't that mean they'll go away? Isn't that the whole point? What's because re- what's really the cost for for that um, institution to offer free tuition for a co- uh, some some kids? It, it's probably not all that much to, well, to s- put, a, put a couple extra chairs in the classroom for for kids of. Uh, employees. It's not, yeah, it's not like the 10% dis- no. you know, dump in of retirement plan contributions that we see across the board. You just have That's to turn different. up, turn up the air conditioning a little bit and everything's taken care of. Uh, they're, they're all right. So I like I, how I, dismissive of you, you, you are of, um, the importance of air conditioning. That's the only reason I went to college is so I could consistently afford air conditioning. You had air conditioned, you had air conditioned dorms. Uh, no, no, I'm saying that's why I went to college so I could earn a degree and make a living, which I could afford air conditioning. We yeah. we definitely did not have air conditioned dorms. I had a fan just blowing hot air on top of myself while I slept. And humid air, hot and humid Kentuckyana air. Oh, nice callback. Yeah. So yeah, okay. I'm. I... Would you have this person start loading Roth? No, uh, I wouldn't uh, either. I mean, if if the 529s are well-funded, maybe start looking at a Roth, uh, but I'm not... What were the kids' names? 12 and 9? Tw- so 12 and 7. 12, 12 and, seven. and 7. So if they're at 12 and 7 years old, assuming that they have the same name as their age, I think, I think it's a simple math projection. If you've got $40,000 or more in... T- their four or their their five twenty nines each, then maybe you start to temper it a little bit. But if it's less than that, just keep going and get the tax benefit. No. Yeah, I mean, I I'd probably look at what the remission w- would potentially save you and try and figure out the difference between what you could potentially owe uh, to send your kids to 
school and then you know, start making your decisions off that make an educated uh projection and, and go from there and then what happens dame if uh they mess up and there's too much in the 529 and they have to make withdrawals for non uh education expenses they get to either uh roll those into a future grandchild uh child's education put change them as the beneficiary or they could take the withdrawal for a non-qualified educate or non-qualified expense you're going to pay a little bit of tax and penalty on the growth of the contributions, but it is possible. It's just because it's in a 529 doesn't mean you can't use it for something else. I can't stop thinking about tuition remission um, because here, number one, the first thing I want to say about it is I would do everything in my power if I'm in this person's position to insist that their student goes to a, a, an institution that accepts tuition exchange. But number two, where that completely falls apart is if you don't save for the moment of college and then the person loses their job because they think they're going to have tuition remission, then that's a major, major problem. Yeah, that's one component we didn't talk about is uh, what happens if they no longer work there by the time right? the kids go to college because then the remission is no longer uh, an option. And well, I hope you saved enough. Well, if you want to complicate this to that point, this person's been in higher ed for 20 years. It'll be another 10 years until their child named seven is in college. So they'll be 30 years at it. So they'll be in their mid fifties during an enrollment cliff. They, who knows if they will, even though they're tenured, who knows if they'll actually be there. Man, we should have thought of this like five minutes ago. Would have made for better radio. Dame, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and... I have to tell you about my new hottest, most fun hobby I think I've ever had in my life, and it involves vermin. <laughs> Are you excited to hear about that? Oh, yes. I've become a hillbilly, and I love it. It is exciting, except that I live stream my hillbilly activities. I'll share that with you and more right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is the Big Ma's Virtual Mozzarella Making Class. Purveyors of outstanding handmade mozzarella sticks, Big Ma's knows a thing or two about the gooey Italian cheese. Now they're sharing their knowledge via their virtual mozzarella making classes. Based on the same format as their popular Chelsea Market in-person classes, each kit is shipped overnight includes one pound of cultured mozzarella curd from their dairy farm, pre-portioned stretching salt, a prep list, an instruction card, and access to a live 60-minute Zoom class where the company chefs walk through the processes. Once done, a Zoom after-party uh, lets participants show off their work while recipe guides give them something to do with their freshly made ingredients. Now, Dame, of course, I mention this with a grain of salt, stretching salt, that is, mm. because... People are doing the best they can to adapt to this time frame in which they can't welcome people into their Chelsea market, uh, you know, building and, and, and sell the things they normally sell. So, you know, I say that knowing that they're just doing the best they can, but $65 to, to learn how to make mozzarella online seems a bit salty. Yeah. I mean, 
that's a lot of cheese that you could go buy. It's a lot of cheese. I, look, I love cheese. I, and by the way, speaking of me not being a hillbilly, this sounds like something I would do. Does it not? Oh, it totally sounds like something you would do. In fact, I'm expecting a a, a live stream of that after your current obsession is up. All right, so Dame, it is time to tell everyone here what I've been up to. You guys, I've become one of the world's foremost experts in chipmunk trapping. So Dame, the streets are barren here in Carmel, Indiana, and people aren't out and about, and so the wildlife is trying to take over. You know this, right? See, it's on the news all the time. Months ago, there was, this this is true. Months ago, I was just on a walk when the pandemic started. A a fox came upon me, walked by me. Weird turn of phrase there. And just this week at Main Street Bubs in Carmel, one of the greatest cheeseburgers you can place in your face hole, there was a report of a wild monkey on the loose. No way. No, it was a pet monkey that had gotten out. So now I'm calling it wild. And the funniest thing was that the police showed up to Bubs to deal with this. This is true. And there was another monkey at Bubs with its family, a pet monkey, but that monkey was a male and the monkey on the loose was a female. And so now I'm thinking that the monkey on the loose that was a female went to Bubs because she was just looking for a little monkey action with the other uh, person just patronizing the, the restaurant. How did they know they were going to be there? Do they have some sort of social media that we're not aware of? Like a like a, a monkey book or something? Yeah. Face monkey? Yeah. Instamonk? Snap anyway, monk, I've been catching chipmunks. Monk? I've been catching chipmunks. We've caught nine chipmunks. Here's what we do. We catch them in a humane trap, seriously. I use a walnut coated with Skippy Natural peanut butter and put it on this little hook. It goes in. It touches the hook. Door, door slams on them. <laughs> right? They, they're just like, oh, no. My son, I scream because I've got it. I've got cameras set up and I live stream into my office here. My son runs up to the trap and screams, what a noob. And then I get gloves on. We load it into the car. We drive it miles away, let it off in this wooded area to, to live its new life. On the way there, my daughter does an exit interview, tells them about their relocation package. My son names it. We have a log of all of our prisoners and it <laughs> has been... Truly one of the greatest joys of the pandemic. I, I'm i just curious what chipmunk pelts would go for. You know, you can get some, maybe some some decent money. Some small they're change, really maybe. They're really cute, but they're so destructive. Um, anyway, Dame, you had some financial current events? I, I do. And I, I think this one will catch your fancy. Mm. Cyprus to pay for the vacation of tourists who catch the coronavirus during their stay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. So if I go to Cyprus, which is just off of uh, Italy, right? It's like the boot or no, that's Sicily. Mm-hmm. Cyprus is near Greece. Mm-hmm. And I know a guy from Cyprus, Andreas. I can't oh. say his name. Nemitza, I think is his last name. Anyway, uh, why am I saying a random person's name on the radio? It makes no sense. If I went to Cyprus and I caught COVID-19 while I'm there, then they comp the stay? The Cypriot government has said that it will cover vacation costs of any tourists who contract the coronavirus, that's a new pronunciation, while holidaying in the country. Officials pledge to pay for travelers' accommodation, food, drink, and medication if they test positive for COVID-19 after entering the country. It said food, travelers... drink, yeah. and medication. But so you're getting like Gatorade, saltines, and 
in hydrochloroxine or whatever that is. Hydrochloroquine. Uh, accommodation, food, drink, and medication. It said travelers will only need to foot the bill for their airport transfer and return flight. Huh. So, COVID- Dane, were you convinced? I'm no, I'm not going, but I thought you might. I mean, you could just make a quick hop over there after you, you, you know, start refurbishing your dollar home in rural Italy. I still think that's a good idea, even though uh, we had the, the conflicting report last week that maybe buying a home for a dollar and then being stranded in a small Italian village during a pandemic is a bad idea. I still stand by it. I'd rather. Well, I mean, Italy was the hot spot of this thing. Maybe it wasn't a good idea, Dame. I, it's up to you. I don't know. You do you. You. I find it funny who's somebody who doesn't really like to travel all that much, wanted to fly halfway around the world and uh, live in a place they've never been before in a Hertz, rundown shack. Hertz files for bankruptcy. And after 16,000 employees were let go, the CE made, CEO made over $9 million after they were let go. And which is terrible and awful. We don't really know the details of it. I'm not making an excuse, but I think the bigger issue in this that's just really interesting is that used cars are about to flood the used car market, which is going to drive down used car prices and it is going to put the automakers in a major pickle. I mean, if you've got all these used cars at a cheap price flooding the market and you've got demand for cars, no one's going to buy new cars. No, there'll be parking lots filled with new cars just waiting to be uh, shipped out somewhere that they they can eventually sell them at. I mean, uh, Boeing has airfields filled with, with airplanes that nobody can take delivery of right now. You know, people don't exactly take care of rental cars, though. I, I drive a lot of rental cars or used to drive a lot of rental cars through Hertz. Here's the, here's the other thing about Hertz, if I may. And I may because it's my show. Dame. I have to say it almost to a person. Every time I deal with Hertz, they're some of the most friendly people I ever deal with in my travels Mm. almost every single time. And I usually view that as like a good indicator of top down culture. Right. And it's not that anything's wrong. I mean, they've definitely been hit by this, this pandemic, but their business model was struggling a little bit beforehand. And I never made sense to me because I feel like they do it right. I feel like they're they're good people. And sometimes when a company is struggling, you can tell because the people are disengaged and they're not nice to you. But that's what makes me sad about the Hertz folks. We always have uh, a very similar experience at a completely different type of establishment. Dollar oh. General. I don't I don't know if you've ever stepped foot in a Dollar General. It's probably like a ten dollar General in Carmel. Uh, <laughs> but they're the nicest people. And you just assume that something's going right there with their their company uh, philosophy. So Dollar General. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've never. I. Uh, they haven't been there. Ha- haven't been there, have you, Pete? I haven't. There's not a Dollar General around here. Or you know what? Here's the thing. There might be, but I have no idea where it is. Yeah. Is can I ask a heinously dumb question? Please. <laughs> you like you like this because it really exposes me. Is everything a dollar at the Dollar General? That's Dollar Tree, Pete. There, there's a difference. <laughs> so wait, there's a place called Dollar Tree that everything's a dollar. Pretty sure everything's a dollar. Yeah. What I, about I'm Dollar sure, General? Sure. No, it is not a, just a dollar. 
All right. Well, hey, here's the thing. That's all we have time for this week. Uh, again, thank you to our new affiliate, WTRC, Michiana's news channel. Glad to have you on. We're sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. This is the Pete the Planner Show, and we will help you through all of this. Let's fight together. Mm-hmm.